Chapter Eight of As in a Mirror by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight. Squire Hartwell. A little more than a mile away from the Elliot farm stood an old-fashioned, substantial stone mansion that was an object of special interest not only to the villagers a mile away, but to the country people for miles around. John Stewart, on his first advent into the neighborhood, had had no difficulty in discovering its whereabouts, and he, too, regarded it with no common interest, inasmuch as it was remotely connected with his own family. In this house had lived, for more than a quarter of a century, quite alone, save for the hired attendants that he had gathered about him, a somewhat eccentric, and, if public gossip concerning him was to be trusted, a thoroughly disagreeable old man, who was familiarly called Squire Hartwell. In the spring of the year in which our story opens, this man had died suddenly, and there were circumstances connected with the closing months of his life that had roused the neighborhood to keenest interest in his affairs. Another name that had been familiarly used for him, as the younger man came to be known and liked, was Rex Hartwell's uncle. That young person had been closely connected with him during almost the entire period of his life. The country people had it that Squire Hartwell had brought him up. That simply meant, however, that he had paid the boy's bills as a child in his old nurse's family where he was boarded, and later at boarding school and college. This, evidently, because the boy was the son of his only sister, who had died when her child was but five years old, and not because of any affection that he seemed to have for him. He had held his nephew at arm's length during his boyhood, barely tolerating short visits from him in the long vacations, and omitting even those as the boy grew to an age in which he might be supposed to be companionable. Suddenly, however, almost immediately after Rex Hartwell's graduation from college, his uncle had decided to go abroad, taking the young fellow with him as attendant. For a young man who had come up, rather than been brought up, Rex Hartwell was a model in many respects. He had a very warm heart by nature, and was so thoroughly grateful to one whom he had always looked upon as his benefactor, that during their two years of travel he devoted himself unsparingly to the old man's comfort, consulting his tastes in a way which it is fair to say had never been done before. For despite his money, Squire Hartwell had lived a lonely and loveless life. When the old gentleman suddenly made up his mind to return home, he brought Rex Hartwell with him, introducing him for the first time to those whom he chose to honor with such ceremony as his nephew and heir, and made no secret of the fact that he meant to leave his broad acres and railroad and bank stock to this young man. "'I have never told him so before,' he said to the family lawyer, with whom he was as nearly confidential as with any person." I had no notion of bringing up a fellow to swagger around and live for the purpose of spending the money that I have worked hard for. I have kept him close and taught him the value of money. I think he will know how to take care of what I leave him. He is a very decent sort of fellow, if I do say it, 
and I shall like to think of the property being held by one of the same name. If his mother had given him the full name, I should have settled it all before this, I dare say. But she had a soft streak in her, and would give him his worthless father's silly name. Reginald, indeed, just right for a fop. Oh, no, his father was a decent sort of man, soft-hearted enough to be a girl, and with no business ability. A country doctor heavily in debt, and dying of overwork before he was thirty. That is his history. His son takes after the Hartwells. If he hadn't, I should never have tried to make anything of him. Well, now we are ready for business. So the will was drawn and duly witnessed and signed. It left not only the old stone house that was almost palatial in size, and the broad acres connected with it, but factory stock and railroad stock and bank stock, as well as whatever bank account there should be at his decease, to his nephew and namesake, Joshua Reginald Hartwell. The gossips had it that the old man had used all his influence to induce his nephew to drop his father's name entirely, in favor of the more sensible Joshua. But Rex had firmly declared that the name his father had borne, and his mother had given him, should be his as long as he lived. Not that he had any objection whatever to the name Joshua, and yes, it might be placed first if his uncle wished. That would not matter in the least. He should be Rex all the same. To the simple country folk by whom they were surrounded, who counted their wealth by the very few thousands that slowly accumulated, the young man was looked up to as a prospective millionaire, and deep was the interest that they took, not only in him, but in the fortunate young woman who had won his especial regard. This was Annette Marvin, or Nanny, as she was known in the entire neighborhood. Although there were some who perhaps envied her, it was, after all, a very good-natured, kindly sort of envy, for Nanny Marvin was a favorite with old and young. She was the daughter of a poor farmer, whose farm joined Mr. Elliot's, but was in every respect its contrast. Farmer Marvin had never possessed what the people of the neighborhood spoke of as knack. His wheat and oats and barley, even his potatoes, to say nothing of apples and other hardy fruits, seemed to grow reluctantly for him, and to hold themselves open to rot and rust and weevil and worm, and whatever other enemy of goodness hovered near to make advances. So that, as the slow years dragged on, the Marvin farm was never very well worked, because there were not means with which to work it, and the only thing that grew steadily larger was the debt that kept accumulating to pay the interest on the mortgage. Years before his time, people spoke of Nanny's father as old Mr. Marvin. After a little, they began to say, poor old Mr. Marvin. He had such a large family to bring up and educate, and most of them were girls, too, poor things. Almost without exception, they commended Nanny as a girl of good sense and unusual spirit, when she suddenly struck into an entirely new path and presented herself at the door of the old Hartwell mansion in answer to its master's advertisement for a young woman to wait on the housekeeper. Nanny Marvin had graduated at the high school six months before, 
and was best scholar in her class and had spent the six months in vainly looking for a chance to teach boldly she had declared that if there were no scholars for her to teach she would see if she could wait on a housekeeper and the very girls who wouldn't have done such a thing for the world had sense enough to commend her not that it was an unheard-of thing for the daughters of farmers to accommodate other farmers in the neighborhood during busy seasons and go as help susan appleby who reigned in the elliott kitchen had come for no other reason than to accommodate and held herself to be as good as any of them but the truth was the marvins were considered even among their neighbors as a little above the common mr marvin although a poor farmer had been a good greek scholar it was failing health that had driven him reluctantly to the fields and he liked now to read in his greek testament much better than to hoe his corn mrs marvin had been a teacher in her youth in a famous young ladies institute and they had kept nanny in school long after some people said she ought to be doing something to help her poor father for such a girl to become a common servant under squire hartwell's housekeeper was certainly a matter for much comment almost without exception it had been settled that she might better have gone to the elliots or some other well-to-do farmer's family where there was a mother to look after things and not a housekeeper to set down on one but nanny marvin had a mind of her own she could not have worked in the elliot's kitchen where hildreth was her best friend but she believed that she could wait on a housekeeper who was a stranger and would know how to treat her only as a servant so to the stone house she went it was prophesied that she wouldn't stay a month that if she got along with the housekeeper she wouldn't stand the old squire who was said to be disagreeable to his help but all these prophecies came to naught by degrees it began to be understood that nanny marvin was almost a fixture at the stone house squire marvin not only tolerated her presence but as the months passed evidently liked to have her about ordered the housekeeper to let nanny fix his books and papers dust his room bring his tea or his gruel or whatever was wanted by degrees he discovered that she could read and had her read aloud to him by the hour then that she could write and he dictated his business letters to her almost before anybody realized what was going on nanny marvin was established in the library of a morning as a sort of secretary to squire hartwell who had heretofore scorned all such help by degrees she and the housekeeper changed places in a sense from being summoned from her dusting or her egg-beating with the word that the squire wanted her to read the news she rose to the dignity of delivering messages to the housekeeper squire hartwell wishes me to tell you etc mrs hodges was a sensible woman and did not resent the changes on the contrary there stole almost imperceptibly to herself a note of respect in her voice when she spoke to nanny and she oftener asked her help than ordered it she even bore in silence one morning the curt statement from the squire that she must hunt up somebody else to trot around after her he wanted nanny marvin himself 
when squire hartwell suddenly went abroad for an indefinite period people were still wondering what nanny would do now when they heard with surprise that she was still to be in his employ she was to have charge of the library and the conservatory and garden which were the squire's special pets she was to write letters to him concerning such and such interests and to receive and execute his orders she was also to have a general oversight of the house during the absence of the housekeeper for all these services she was to receive a regular salary with the privilege of staying at home those who questioned closely enough to find out all these details were equally divided in opinion part being assured that nanny marvin was in luck and that they had never before known the squire to do a generous thing like that the other part affirming with equal assurance that no doubt he knew how to make a girl earn every cent of her money with the squire's homecoming nanny was promptly re-established in the stone house indeed she was there even when the housekeeper arrived and had an open letter in her hand from which she read directions for that good woman to follow everybody began to realize that nanny marvin was as these country folk phrased it on the right side of the squire yet many prophesied a different state of things so soon as it was discovered that the nephew took kindly to the quasi-secretary and treated her with the deference that he would show to any lady surely the squire when he got his eyes open would have none of that they were mistaken the squire grumbled a little it is true when he saw that his nephew was unmistakably interested in nanny marvin he said he didn't see why young people all had to be fools nevertheless it became increasingly apparent that nanny had won her place if not in his heart at least in his life she had become necessary to him why should he complain if this was also the case with his nephew once it was settled how matters stood the old man carried things with a high hand he dismissed without warning or character a stable boy who had dared to say nanny marvin and he told the housekeeper somewhat sternly that she must teach her servants to say miss marvin if she had any who did not know enough without teaching it took the good people of the neighborhood some months to get accustomed to this surprising state of things and then behold a new surprise one morning all the neighborhood for miles around quivered with the news that rex hartwell and his uncle had quarreled and the squire had changed his will and cut rex off without a penny the neighbors gathered in knots at the leading produce store in the village or in one another's sitting-rooms and kitchens and discussed the details the squire's lawyer the day after the quarrel had been closeted with the squire for two hours and more and when he came out had halted on the wide piazza and swept his eyes in all directions over the rich fields and said too bad too bad by degrees all the particulars were gathered in that mysterious way in which news scatter through country neighborhoods it appeared that squire hartwell had set his heart upon the nephew and heir becoming a lawyer he had said nothing about this during their stay abroad nor indeed for the first five or six months after their return he had even put his nephew off with a curt sentence 
to the effect that there was time enough to think of such things when the young man tried to talk with him of his future then suddenly one morning when the summer was over he began to talk about his plans for settling the young man as a student in the law office of an eminent friend of his he talked about them quite as a matter of course as though the decree had gone forth from his birth that he was to become a lawyer then it was that the two strong wills had clashed rex hartwell never having heard one word from his uncle on the subject of his profession and having as he supposed excellent proof that it was not a matter of the slightest consequence to that gentleman what he did had chosen for himself and chosen early all his ideas of success in life were connected with the medical profession he may perhaps have been said to have inherited the taste as well as fostered it in his early boyhood many of his vacations had been spent with a boy friend in the family of an eminent physician where his leisure hours had been passed in poring over such medical works as he could understand when he went abroad with his uncle having at certain hours of the day leisure to do as he would he had chosen to mark out for himself a course of study looking toward his chosen profession and had made such good use of his time as to be eager even impatient for the hour to come when he could begin his medical studies in earnest perhaps it may be imagined what a blow it was to a young man of his temperament to be confronted with the announcement that now the time had come for him to begin his law studies and that most advantageous arrangements had been made for him in town to give up his own plans and force his mind to a course of study that had not a single attraction for him he felt was utterly impossible and courteously but firmly said so and was met by a storm of indignation such as he had not supposed a gentleman could display as the interview continued the young man discovered that to have chosen the medical profession was evidently an even more heinous crime than to have refused the law his uncle was absolutely bitter not only against the profession itself but against those who he declared had warped his nephew's mind in that direction was not the utter failure of his father to earn even a decent living by his pills and powders sufficient reason why his mother should not have wanted her boy to follow in such foolish footsteps oh he knew very well that the mother had wanted him to become a doctor all women were fools where business was concerned and his sister alice had been one of the most sentimental fools of her sex he should know her he hoped better than her boy who was five when she died it was mere sentimental twaddle with her she wanted him to inherit his father's tastes to inherit his father's failures she might better have said and his skill in leaving his family paupers he despised the whole race of pill vendors and not a penny of his money should be turned into any such channel he had himself intended from his boyhood to be a lawyer and had been thwarted not by any fault of his but because of the meanness of a certain doctor he would give his nephew thirty-six hours to decide whether he would carry out the plans that had been formed for him or go his own way without a cent in the world squire hartwell did not understand human nature very well 
perhaps no course that he could have taken could have more firmly settled the young man in his purposes he replied with outward calmness that he did not need thirty-six hours to consider he had planned as a baby to be a doctor like his father and as a boy and a young man he had kept that determination steadily in view he was sorry that his uncle was disappointed but not to inherit millions would he sell himself to a life work for which he was not fitted and in which he was sure he would make only failure and then he had gone out from his uncle's presence sure that he would keep his threat and cut him off without a penny End of chapter 8